everybody that's been, you'd be passive about it. So you've been to how many Olympics? You've gone to watch how many Olympics? We started, we started in 96 in Atlanta. So it's every four years. So there's been probably about eight in between. Uh, and it's absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. Absolutely what, phenomenal. What's your favorite? Because you mentioned the, the 12 different events and the, the free events that you go to as well when you're there. What's your favorite part of it all? Well, I tell you what, my favorite part, really, because I'm a very observant person, mm-hmm. I like to watch the millions of people that come, the spectators, including myself, to just observe these state of the art and these best in class athletes compete. And we don't speak the same language. We're from all different parts of the globe and everybody just kind of gets along. And even though we don't speak the same language, we, we communicate with each other and we kind of know what we're saying. Yeah. And it's phenomenal. Uh, in terms of events, I really love weightlifting. I love table tennis uh, and I love oh, cycling because I was when I was a young guy, I did a lot of cycling. So whether it's the time trials or the actual bike races, you just line up along the roads. If it's a sunny day, you get some really, really good pictures. But I mean, I could go on and on. There's 33 different events. Wow. Archery, archery is pretty cool. People don't know this, but the archer is 77 yards away from the target. Oh my! That's gosh. almost the length of a football field. It's it's really incredible. <laughs> and when you're so watching far. it, when you're watching it up close and personal, it, you just have a totally different perspective <laughs> on just how gifted they are. So uh, yeah, we love it. The restaurants, the sightseeing going to the museums, taking in the culture, oh the different restaurants. Goodness. It's just a really, and we stay the full two weeks. Absolutely. Talk about levels of excellence. Yeah. Right? So yeah. my, that gives me a whole new perspective in paradigm. One of my best friends growing up, his older brother, second in nation in archery. Nice. Um, and so now I know, I remember him shooting in the backyard, you know, that thing was, uh, you know, 10 yards away. I can't tell you how many arrows we probably shot over the fence and almost hit somebody, um, you know, but he, yeah, not, no, 70 yards. That is so far. That's like, that's two or three blocks in, in the neighborhoods that I, that I walk around. That's crazy. Okay. So yep. you've been around the block. Um, Chief of Staff, Department of Defense, 30 plus years. What is, what's your favorite three books on either leadership, self-development, or a topic similar, a a genre similar that you'd recommend people pay attention to? Well, number one is Understanding Your Potential. Uh, That was written by the late, great, Dr. Miles Monroe, he was one of the five founders of Faith uh, Bahamas Ministries International and Nassau Bahamas. The reason that's number one on my list, and by the way, that's 1993, is because I read that book at a very, very important time in my life. And I was better able to understand if I tap into my potential, uh, there's some unlimited opportunities out there at a time where I was in a state of self-doubt. So that was number one. Number two would be anything written by John Maxwell. And the reason the, the reason I say anything is because he has a portfolio of books. He sold co- close to 30 million over the years. But one I really like would be the 21 Irrefutable. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there.
What is up? And welcome into Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I am so honored, privileged, excited to have Kevin Wayne Johnson on the show today. Uh, his background and depth of leadership is admirable from, from any walks of life. The experiences that he's had, the types of leaders that he's gotten to work with, the uh, events he's gotten to go see, such as Olympics is what we were talking about earlier. Uh, he's studious in nature. There's just a profound depth of knowledge. So I'm going to be very short on the intro today so that uh, we maximize the time we have to gather what's not available publicly. Um, so if you go through his profile, you look at his experience, again, you get to see that depth on LinkedIn itself. Uh, before we dive too far into Kevin, though, I always want to make sure that I'm also giving a hand up in terms of tools and <clears throat> leaders that I'm connected with in the form of our sponsors. So the Wellness Shop 365. This is, a, this is a program run by Sean and Julianne Lechuga. They're actually clients of ours, and their centeredness as leaders as well is something that I find to be prof a profound blessing. The way that these two work together as husband and wife and their dedication towards building up their programs, you can, you can see on the screen right now uh, what, their, what their program looks like. As Cynthia scrolls through that, it's going to come to this, this wheel of life, and while Certainly, there's opportunities to optimize the branding of that, and they're familiar with it. The concept behind it is what caught my attention. I said, right here, that 360 harmony of life will, the, the fact that they're paying attention to joy, spirituality, holistic well-being, they got good kids. I've enjoyed thoroughly working with them over the last three months, and I know that what they're up to in terms of building, uh, based on naturopathic principles, the ability to guide and help people with their health like sign me up. That's my type of person that I want to be involved with. If, I, if I'm going to be taking advice from somebody about health, I want it to be from somebody who understands uh, the holistic nature of, of building out a life as well and, and not losing sight of the other people in your family in the process. Um, so uh, with the Law Spot next to, you'll notice that little logo next to it, thelawspot.com. Melissa Gray, also one of our clients, she is on a mission to help entrepreneurs and business owners and the small business and medium business sectors get the security to know that they're legally they're protected. They know who to go to um, as far as, uh, you know, building out retainers and things like that. Uh, you know, there's when you're when you're in a position where you need a lawyer, uh, I have I've been there before uh, you end up paying very high fees and you might end up launching with the wrong law entity as well. One example on that with Restaurant Connect, we got in a trademark lawsuit. We had the name first. They tried to file the trademark before us after they learned about us at a trade show. And my business partner spent over $20,000 on that lawsuit to win that battle. And we won. But as a startup, spending $20,000 you don't have on that trademark lawsuit, did we really win? I don't know. You be the judge of that. Uh, so, Melissa, when I found out what she was up to, I hosted her on the show a couple episodes ago. I saw her vision of how she's bridging the gap and she comes in with this nurturing heart, but the ability to also be a strong warrior as an attorney where I needed. I was like, wow, like this, she's got an amazing vision. All business owners that I know, uh, I would say 90% of them do not have legal counsel in mind for who would represent them in the worst case scenarios. And without driving fear, she comes in and, and helps people understand what these topics look like and why, um, you know, what types of materials you should have in place as a business owner. So very big fan of her. And then there's the water project. 
if you and I are in a position where we don't have to think about where we're going to get our next glass of water, uh, I hope that you think of entities like the entities like this that are helping the millions of people who don't have access to clean drinking water. It's our opportunity to give back. And what I love seeing about the, the way that the water project goes about this is they show you the impact you're having on the community and the fulfillment of the projects that are taking place. And when I see this picture that's coming up of these children celebrating water like it's Christmas, um, you know, it, it kind of partially breaks my heart as much as it does help me feel grateful for for them. But I, I, I don't ever want my kids to be in that situation. So why would I want other kids to be in that situation when there's billions of people on this earth who need our help? So if you're not in a position financially to contribute back to that, then my request would be to share it with somebody because you never know who might be in a position to make that happen. And you then become the catalyst for that good. If you can think of a, of a nonprofit or an opportunity, a cause that needs to be supported, and you'd like to see us talk about that, just drop it in the comments. I'd be happy to take a look and see how we can support it. So without further ado, let's dive in. Kevin Wayne Johnson, welcome to Vision Pros Live. Well, thank you, Jackson. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Yes, sir. All right. Diving, diving in right away. I'm going to skip the first question. I think everybody should be listening to this episode. Um, I think they, they got the great opportunity to learn from so much wisdom that's behind you and, and through your experience. What is your vision for those that you're serving currently? Well, my vision in a nutshell is to create leaders of excellence at all levels. And the reason we put an emphasis on all levels is because there are men and women within our sphere of influence who are aspiring leaders. They haven't actually moved into a leadership role or position yet, but they aspire to. Uh, and the more that they're prepared before they get there, the better. We also have men and women that are at the frontline level. They've been in a leadership position for just a short while, and they're still learning the ropes. They're still maybe struggling a little bit, uh, hungry for some more principles and strategies to help them to do better. Uh, to know better and ultimately lead better. And then we have another group of men and women who are at what we call the mid-level. They've been at it now for maybe 10, 15 years, and they're on the fence. Uh, if you've been in a leadership role for about 10 or 15 years, you either like it and you want to continue on that trajectory, mm. or you don't like it. You, <laughs> right. people, are people are driving you crazy. And listen, the responsibility and the visibility and the accountability that comes with it can be a bit challenging. So I've seen people continue on the journey and I've seen people get off the fence and say, okay, enough. And then last but not least, you have men and women at the senior level. They've been at it for a while, but we all need a refresher. We all need to periodically recalibrate, reroute, rethink, uh, re-strategize, and kind of rethink our posture and our position in terms of what we're doing. Yes. So that's why we say at all levels, because we're not just talking about one group of individuals, but people are on a different journey and perhaps on a different road as they're leading people within their organizations and within their teams. There's there's so much value to comment on from that. I've got a comment on the photo we just saw of you shaking hands with John Maxwell, the legendary yes. leader himself. And the, you know, it was in relationships 101. And I was reading that where he has this list that I want to memorize someday mm -hmm. of, you know, no matter what happens, do good anyway, right? They're going, you're going to have a bad day, do good anyway. People are yep. going to kick you in the teeth, do good anyway, you know, and, and he has a very articulate way of going through. It's very poetic. And I was like, man, that, that, I, that would be something that's worth reading every day. 
if you're the type of person who's getting bogged down too, especially if you're getting bogged down by the role of leadership and the, the toll that it can take. So well said on that. I want to rewind to one more thing you said though. And that's about this concept of all levels. Um, you know, we, we live in a very divisive society based on um, how we choose to feel about words that are used. And so when you come to levels and a staircase, you know, let's use that. You can talk about levels of a building. You can talk about levels in many senses, but is stair step number two any more valuable or less valuable than stair step number 13 in a 15 step staircase? Absolutely not. And so, but is, is there really, can you number them from one to 15? Yes, you can. My, my concept with that, my hope for those who are listening is to realize that whatever level you're on is just as equal and valuable as any other level that's out there. And if you let go of the comparison and look for, well, great, I can, the confine is to help us understand where you're at so that we know what types of leadership development to provide at said stage. What do, what do you think about that? I'd love your thoughts. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I'm in alignment with you. I'll just say it a slightly different way. And, yes. and I, I did, I understood thoroughly exactly what you said. Everything that we do in our leadership journey is a process and it's a building block. So what we learned last week should be a building block for how we can get better or see things differently the following week, much like the stepladder example, because when you walk up that stepladder or whether it's a tall 30 foot ladder, as you get higher and higher and higher, guess what? There's more visibility and there's more responsibility. And so going through that preparation and that process prepares us for when that visibility comes and when that additional responsibility comes. And then in, a, in, a, in parallel with that, there's also a third ability, and that is accountability. Hmm. So as we are seen by more people, and as our impact reaches more people, there's much more accountability that goes along with that and responsibility. And what better way to handle it than to be prepared? So each step on that step ladder or that tall ladder uh, is a part of our preparation so that we're going to be ready. Because, you, you know, it's, it's not an easy journey. You never hear me say it's easy. It's definitely doable. But it makes a big difference. And we want all of the men and women that we come in contact with, we want them to be prepared because leading people is such an awesome and privileged responsibility that we have. Oh, man, I love that. Mm -hmm. So one one thing I catch about you, um, I, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of people in my life, even off the camera, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to learn, trying to see things, trying to understand leaders and people. And I've also found myself stressed with the amount of people that are coming my way and, you know, trying to trying to center myself. So <clears throat> I, but I've never been at the level of chief of staff of the Department of Defense and the network that you've created, the amount of people that you interact with on a daily, weekly or monthly basis. I'm sure it's seasons of your life. There's been peaks and valleys of how many you're you're working with. You have a poise and a patience about you. There is a poise and a patience where you're able to stay centered, listen thoroughly, and know that you're still going to get value. You're still going to gain out of this. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Your second descriptor is on point. Listen. Yeah. 
because when you listen to people, you send them a subliminal message that I care what it is you have to say. I value your perspective. And when it's all said and done, when it comes to leadership, that's really the heart and soul of what people are looking for. People generally give you and I the benefit of the doubt. When we have the title and we have the position, whatever it might be, VP of finance, top chef, CEO, uh, you know, head nurse, I could go on and on and on with these titles. People generally give us the benefit of the doubt that we have the subject matter expertise and that we're there because we know our stuff. Now, I know there are exceptions. We we know people well, well said. In, in positions that we're wondering, how in the world did they get there? But what people really you want, and they won't say it, they want to know that their leader, this person that's been assigned for my development and to provide resources and opportunities for me to get better and do better, they want to know, are you going to listen to what I have to say? Are you going to value my contributions? Are you going to take into consideration my opinion and my perspective on how to solve this problem and how to make this decision? Decision. And when they find out that they are now under the leadership of a person that does, that's that's the difference maker. It makes a huge difference in the lives of these men and women that we're entrusted to lead. It makes a big, big difference. Here's There's so much depth I'm getting for that, mostly because my audience of, of people, Kevin, usually come from a, a background where the social proof of their value is a little harder to see. Um, and, and so let's look at that um, under a microscope with what you said, because I want people to pick up what I just picked up, which is, okay, doctors, right? When they speak with authority, the authority, the amount of people generally are going to believe in what they say and accept what they say. That's been tainted a little bit by the chaos and confusion of, of 2020. I'm going to leave it at that. The chaos and confusion has had people open their minds up a little bit more. Nobody's, I'm not, I'm not putting the blame on anybody in particular, just saying as a paradigm shift, we've shifted a little bit, but even more so, I'm still going to value the opinion and authority of a doctor more than a registered nurse, right? And then you got your LVNs um, who are not registered nurses. And our understanding as a society of those levels helps precondition our mind, right? To what is being shared unless said registered nurse has limiting beliefs and self-doubts and exposes those and is constantly saying, well, I'm not a doctor, but I'm not a doctor, but, you know, I don't really, you know, I'm pretty sure as a registered, when we lose that centeredness of confidence that we are the subject expert or we act like that or portray that with our words or our behaviors, we're all, we're, we're self-fulfilling prophecy. We're yep. already destroying our opportunity to influence. So yep. we've got to, we got, and, and uh, so in other words, the coaches, the marketers out there, you are not registered nurses. Mm-hmm. You are not doctors. We, the marketing has a notorious reputation and many people will say, well, that's just marketing. No, no, no. That lie is a lie and it has no place in marketing. Um, we have to do ourselves the service of defining what our principles are, sticking to those and owning the fact that we're subject matters, even though less people understand our authority than if we had a title such as doctor. Any further thoughts on that before we go into your personal vision? Well, I think that's very important for 
everyone that's listening to really understand when you talk about that self-doubt, because even mm. though we may hear it in the example that you gave with the registered nurse, we can also send that message by way of our body language and our tone as well. Yes. Uh, for example, uh, many people have been under the voice <clears throat> of a man or a woman that's on the stage behind a podium with a microphone, and they're given a keynote in front of maybe 500,000 people or maybe even less. And their message is diluted. Why? Because they look nervous and they don't look confident. And we hear what they say, but we don't necessarily find it believable. That's no different than the registered nurse example where she actually or he actually comes right out and says, well, I know I'm not a doctor, but so we have to be very careful uh, that that's a that's a leadership attribute that we help these aspiring leaders and current leaders to be very careful about. We have to demonstrate that Love we are that. very confident in who we are and what we do. That's part of good leadership and understanding our craft, having the subject matter expertise, but at the same time being able to maneuver through all the different roads that different people bring uh, in our path. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. I like that. And it's, yeah. it's one of my favorite topics. Uh, one of the frameworks that I found helpful for that was, was our posturing mm -hmm. of uh, our three different postures, superior, equal, and inferior. And if we do the opposite of what you said too, where we're trying to control the audience and force them to believe everything that we're saying, we're telling them too often what to do. Mm -hmm. uh, the, in, the people who are willing to be subordinate to us will follow us. But the people who are not willing to be subordinate in nature, they want to be respected for their own views will say, whoa, this this person's exerting their authority with, with too much force, right? So right, uh, but again, right. that's not my expertise. It's just some of the, the details where I'm like, man, I'm going to be talking to you after this show about this well, that, stuff. That's, but see, that's a, actually a good point that you make, Jackson, and I want to piggyback very, very quickly. Yeah. See, okay. adult adults, this is part of human behavior. Adults do not like to be lectured to. Yeah. And as an extension of lecturing without many leaders realizing it, that's where the micromanagement piece comes into play and mm. turns people off because sometimes it's inadvertent, but sometimes it's just a person just being overbearing. Mm. What you're showing and what you're telling without saying it when you micromanage someone is that I don't trust you. That, that's yeah. really, you don't, you don't say the words, but that's how they feel. And they're sitting there and they're wondering, well, why, why did you hire me? Or, why did you assign me this project or task or action or initiative if you don't trust that I have what it takes to to make it happen? If I have any questions, yes. I'll come to you. But I don't I don't need you checking in every three hours. I've got this. Trust me, I'll, I'll make it happen. And so <laughs> that that's why I wanted to just briefly expand on that. Because oh, I love it. We're going to keep expanding this because this well of this is a depth of value that everybody's going to benefit from that, that really hears it and understands yeah. it. So piggybacking on that to another book, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, a book that came across my desk and eight years later I read it and it is the reading source that I regret not reading the moment it came across my desk. I should have listened to that book on Audible. And so as I dove into it, it taught me a very similar concept to this. You're right. When we micromanagement, can be, I don't trust you. Mm -hmm. What Michael teaches is the reason why most businesses, in his opinion, are failing is because 
they themselves, they've delegated by abdication as a business owner. They did not set up a proper process or system for that person to succeed. And so therefore, it's not that I don't trust you, John, as a person who's working. It's that I don't trust that I set the right system up for you to succeed in. And that's a humble pie that is so hard for entrepreneurs to eat. But if we don't, if I don't have the system in place and I have some rock star who comes in, oh, I'll take advantage, I'll take care of your advertising. I know everything about advertising. I can do this. Granted, I'm going to the extreme, yeah. right? But the the world of advertising, you know, as somebody who's an expert in that field, 99% of advertisers are doing it wrong. And so I don't care if you think you have it down. I need somebody who's coachable. And who's willing to learn a new system and bring in the disciplines of patience, persistence, consistency, and reliability, and is willing to look at the equation and say, you know what? Yeah, we're going to fail that calculus test, not because I'm bad at math, because I got this one tiny piece off. And no matter what, if I miss this part, part, portion of the formula, the mm -hmm. whole thing's going to collapse upon itself. Exactly. So another layer there for entrepreneurs, if you find yourself in a position where somebody tells you, hey, why don't you trust me? Or they're giving you those vibes. It can be helpful to own that, pull it back and say, it, it's not you, it's it's me. It's what exactly. I need to understand so that I can fully support you. We need to get on the same page. And it goes back to what you said, being able to listen well. Listen well, that's it right there. And I tell you, mm -hmm. uh, in the spirit of the conversation that we're having, um, another powerful tool that, some leaders miss out on, and you've heard this word many, many times, uh, it's delegation. Two things happen. I think it's one of the top three most powerful tools in the leader's toolbox. Here's why. Number one, when we delegate, if you do it in this spirit, what you're doing is you're using it as an opportunity to develop your team, yeah. to provide them additional resources, insight, build up their confidence, have them to be bold, to step out and utilize their gifts and their potential that they probably think they didn't have. That's the power of delegation if you use it in that spirit. But the, here's the other reason that it's so important. It does get work off of your plate yes. and it can, free, it can free you up as a leader now to be more visionary than tactical. Yep. But you have to think of it from that perspective. I am delegating a lot of this responsibility to different men and women on my team as a means of developing them and getting them ready for the next level. And, and a lot of leaders miss it. And we, we, we spend a full day just unpacking the power of delegation because yeah. the, the primary motivation should not be, I need to get stuff off my plate and I'm going to just give it to this person or that person. No, you use it as a tool to develop them and you really focus on that. And it will transform your team and transform your organization. Amen. Let's let's use a live <clears throat> example from Friday. Okay. So my team, uh, two two new team members. They both speak Spanish. They do not speak English. And before coming up with my own plan of hey, let make let's make you learn English. Right. First off, asking one to ten. One, you never want to learn English. Ten, it's the most important priority in your life. Where do you where do you rest on this? They jump to a ten out of ten, both of them. Okay. <clears throat> in that case, then moving forward, with your permission, I'd like you to dedicate 30 minutes minimum per day to your English to training, learning English. You're now going to be paid to learn English. Um, and with a maximum of 60 minutes. 
And because you said 10 out of 10, you also need to come up with a plan for what, how you're going to study outside of, of your work life. Otherwise, this is not a 10 and it's a self-awareness exercise, right? Of them understanding where they truly at on this commitment so that we can hold them accountable, support them, make sure we put the right framework in place. So I asked them to go build that plan. Next step. During your work time, the way that you're going to study, let me give you the, the path for it. Here's how. You're going to go to YouTube. You're going to find shorts related to how do I say such and such word in English, right? Como se dice, perro, dog, in English. You're going to find the shorts. You're going to go to the video, like it, subscribe, and then you're going to comment on these individuals' uh, channels how grateful you are for what it is that they taught you. And they're following me on this. They're getting it. Okay, you're going to comment up grateful and you're going to invite them to come into our Facebook group, Oportunidades de Trabajo para Latinos, Opportunities for Work for Latinos, and come and teach our 650 members hmm. what and, and, and be interviewed by us about why they're, they're such a great teacher and et cetera. I said, we're going to do this for 40 days. Every, it takes seven minutes to do this process. We're going to do this for 40 days. Maybe you get in front of 10, maybe you get in front of three people, but we're going to gather the world's best teachers in this incubation process so that you guys have the best capacity of learning accordingly. And so they, they came in today uh, to work and, and they asked about, I said, Jackson, um, how do I write this plan? You know, how, how do, and I, I said, well, before I give that to you, I said, let's let, I want you to create your own plans, right? If we had plans to gather fish today, Right. Jackson might get three fish. Uh, maybe Cynthia gets five fish. Maybe, you know, Ramona gets 50 fish. So we find out Jackson went with a stick, you know, to the river. Uh, <laughs> we find out that Cynthia went with a fishing pole. Uh, we found out that Ramona went to the market and asked for fish and they gave her a big discount and she got 50 fish for $10 and didn't waste her time. Um, right. There's there's all sorts of different plans that can come out. But if I guide you right now, I'm going to box you in. I want them to go think for themselves and they might influence my plan and come up with something better. That's a, that's the power of delegation. That's why we don't, yeah. we wouldn't have a podcast without that. I went live one day. Mm-hmm. I called it a podcast and my team built it. I that's had powerful. no ambitions of launching this. That's good. That's good. That's, that's actually an uh, excellent example uh, there, Jackson, because people don't know what they don't know until what the leader gives them the opportunity but it's bigger than that. We make ourselves available and we create an environment such that when they have questions, not if, but when they have questions, we are available to answer those questions and help them along the way. So that, that that's a great story. The only way I know of that is because of all the leaders who've guided me throughout the process mm-hmm. to get there. The ones who are willing to help me learn my plan along the way. So let's dive into your personal vision outside of work. What's your vision for your, oh, and it can be work too. It don't let me push you out, but Kevin Wayne Johnson, what's your vision for yourself? So, so my, my, my personal vision, as well as my professional vision, uh, they align. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's all about what can Kevin Johnson do? So that, let's start with the end in mind. Dr. Stephen Covey taught me Please. that. That's, that's the fourth, that's the fourth area out of seven uh, habits of highly effective people. This is this is the fourth habit. Begin with the end in mind. I would love Jackson and everybody listening to see a much better world. Now, that that means a lot. But specifically in my lane and my path, the street that I watch, I think it has a lot to do with building 
a good cadre of good, uh, respectable, empathetic, compassionate, yet knowledgeable leaders, because leaders lead people. And we have more people in the world who are looking to a leader to lead them. We have more followers than we have leaders. That's just the way the system is Absolutely. designed. So more people are looking for someone to lead them as opposed to them stepping out. So for those of us that are blessed and have the awesome responsibility of leading people, I want them to understand at a very high level what it means to go beyond just subject matter expertise and tap into the heart mm-hmm. and, and treat people more like humans than workers. We, we can do it. We can do it. When yes, I would, we can. In my journey with the federal government over 34 years, I have a 34-year career with the federal government. I retired six years ago. I had a chance to work with civilians, with contractors, and with military personnel. That would be enlisted junior officers, flag officers, and general officers. So I I was always navigating through three different cultures on any given day for 34 years. And what was interesting about that journey is that it taught me so much about what it means to be able to move people, to motivate people, to inspire them, and to encourage them to get the best out of them. Because when we do, that's exactly what we do. And now people are very comfortable with tapping into their potential. So this personal and professional vision that I have around making the world a much better place has everything to do with just pouring into the current and next generation of leaders to teach them that because we spend so much time at work, so much time at work um, with people, sometimes for a very short period of time and sometimes for much longer periods of time, then I believe that we can do it in a way where people are respected and valued and included. And um, we send messages that their contributions are valued. I believe we can do it. That does not make you weak as a leader. It makes you human as a leader. And when it's all said and done, that's what people are looking for. So that's really the journey that I've been on for a very long time. And I knew once I retired that I wanted to step into that lane uh, in this season of my life, and that's what we're doing. So here throughout the United States and strategically in regions around the globe, we, we teach these principles and these strategies. A lot of it has to do with my connection with John Maxwell team, but a lot of it has to do with just my own personal stories and my own personal journey uh, that all makes sense now. From the time I was a little boy to where I am now, it all kind of makes sense that the journey that I've been on has prepared me for a time such as this. So that's a that's sort of a long-winded answer to your that's question. A beautiful about personal answer. vision. But that's it right there in, in a nutshell. That's it. And uh, I'm going to be at it for, I know, for at least another 15 years because I love what I do. I have 100% support for exactly what you're doing. We're, we are, are, and I'm glad you pulled it full circle. I was, I was interested to see if you would. For a while there, you were using the word, we can do this and we can. That's inclusive of those who aren't necessarily bought into that yet. And then you said, we are doing this. And that's yes. what I was like, you <laughs> are doing this. We are doing this. That's the entire purpose of visionproslive.com is mm-hmm. to help people. And it's funny. I'm going to call him out in the best of ways. Um, and it's to honor the fact that it, he's not alone. 
in, in realizing this. The first time I admitted the full scope behind Vision Pros Live on, on live show was Justin Breen on my show. And Justin, as soon as I said, I believe that everybody is a visionary. He said, no, they're not. <laughs> and he came at me about that. And I loved it. I was like, good, good. I'm glad I don't have a Kool-Aid drinker here. I got somebody right. who wants to talk about this. On the flip side, I feel so blessed for my perspective and paradigm to know and recognize that every single person on this earth has the capacity to be a visionary for their life. Without a doubt. I know that. And if we, if, if Justin in that sense, if Justin does is continues to tell people they do not have visions, if that was what the world led with was everybody telling the world, everybody else that you don't have the capacity, then I think the world would be a little bit of a darker place. That's not his subject matter though. He talks about other areas of light. He just doesn't have my vision for how I see things. So his can coexist. He can keep building the wonderful connections that he does while I continue to inspire and see people unlock their own visions, because I believe we can empower people to be a visionary for their own life, and they will unlock their true value and purpose when they honor their personal visions. Well said. Absolutely. I can't add to it, and I can't take away anything from it. I, I certainly agree with that. You already did. I'm just following in your tracks, Kevin. <laughs> All um, right. so I love it, man. All right, let's talk about a darker subject, speaking of. What's the worst leadership experience you've ever had? So my worst leadership experience takes me back to a time where I was working in Midtown Manhattan. I had briefly stepped away from the government and worked in corporate America. I just wanted to give it a shot, give it a try, see how it would work. I, I tasted the Kool-Aid. It didn't taste good. <laughs> I spit it out and I came back to the federal government. But I was working for a company and the company itself was treating me well uh, until it got to a point where it was time for an M&A. That's a merger and acquisition. Yeah. This company decided it wanted to acquire a smaller company, interestingly enough, that was right there in the same building. And they were in the information technology space. And there was a gentleman, I call him a gentleman now because there's no hard feelings, but he was the person that ultimately, because of the M&A, came into our organization as the senior vice president to replace the guy that hired most of us, that we liked. He was a good guy. He was kind and gentle. But the company at that level was pretty brutal, and they mistook his kindness as a weakness. Right. He hired us and he was a good guy. He trusted us. He delegated good work to us. He prepared us. He developed us. But they let him go. And here comes this dude from this other company that we are acquiring. And he let it let it be known right up front, Jackson, in front of everybody, that he didn't respect any of us on the team that he was about to inherit. And he wanted to replace us all. Now... I think that's very, very, um, what's the right word? Um, that that's, that's a very, very calculated and unwise thing to do because he didn't know us. Right. He, now, he had been in a couple of meetings with us. He maybe heard us give a presentation or a briefing. He may have saw some of our products, but he didn't really know us. He didn't know us as people. 
But right. he came in as the inbound senior vice president, replacing the guy that hired us, and he let it be known uh, right out the gate. Now, I want you and your listeners to just think for a minute. How do you think that made us feel? Yeah. Well, if and, I was, if you were going to run a coup de tat, <laughs> and you tell your entire army, yeah. you're all worthless. Right. Don't you know? Don't publicly. Follow. Oh my publicly, goodness. he didn't call us into a room and have a separate meeting. He did it publicly. So long story short, four of my colleagues were dismissed. They called it they called it laying them off, but they were dismissed. It was a Friday morning. Security showed up and just escorted them out and then told them, we'll mail your stuff. to." I mean, it was just it was just very bad. A, a awesome. couple of us, a couple of us survived. And then we had to take we had to take the brunt uh, of his dislike. Here's the reason why it was unwise. He didn't know and didn't even think to ask that I had a relationship with the executive vice president of human resources. I could go to her office through her administrative assistant and just kind of share how things are going, what's happening, etc. And I told her all about this guy and she really needed to do something because he's bringing negative energy and negative energy deflates and it disrupts the morale. And you're not going to be able to get the best out of us because we don't want to work for this guy. I just want you to know that. That's a conversation that we had one-on-one. -on -one. Long story short, Jackson, I ended up leaving the organization. I'm not quite sure about some of my other colleagues that survived, but I left the organization and I moved on. And I did find out a little bit later because I stay in touch with people. I found out a little bit later that eventually he was let go. His style was just too a little, a little bit too abrasive, mm -hmm. a little bit too unprofessional uh, for people to handle. And they found a way to get rid of him. But that is, that's my worst. I don't have very many of these stories. I really don't. Over 34 years, I don't have very many of these stories. That was my worst leadership experience. Mm -hmm. And I made a promise to me and nobody else that I would never uh, do that to anybody in the workplace. Just, just, it's just not going to happen. Not under my leadership. Here's if I have a problem with you, whether yeah. it's personality or whether it's production, we're going to go behind closed doors and have a one-on-one -on -one and we're going to talk it out and figure out how to make this thing work. But I would never go into an organization and just publicly uh, let everybody know that I don't want any of you. None of you are worth anything, and I, I want to replace you all. I, I would never do that. That's just not wise to do. The diplomacy skills that you have, the talent and gift of that, um, are very much on, on point right now. Um, and it's something that in the small business world, we don't get to experience very often. Um, and we find polarizing often too, when you, when you're so far down the totem pole of what the president says, or somebody, you know, the governor says, you often feel spoken at, um, you know, and then you don't feel well represented, you don't feel like they're listening, etc. And well, naturally, how do they listen when they've got several million people to guide? Um, but <clears throat> to go back to your story, that was probably the most powerful of all of the worst leadership experiences that anybody has yet shared out of 150 wow. episodes. Wow. And your claim right after of, I don't have many stories like that, once again, reminds me of you following the John, Mal John Maxwell leadership reality, your care and concern, your, your nature of making space for people's mistakes. There's no way that you haven't been through 
thousands and thousands of what many of the leaders I've hosted and myself would call worse leadership experiences. There's no, we would call it that, but you've gravitated towards seeing the opportunities and it's that patience and listening to understand that just blows my mind. Kevin, let's dive into your best leadership experience because we are running short on time, but I don't want to lose the chance. All right. Once so so that remember now I said I don't have very many of those stories. So the only the only other well, there there are some other ones, but the other one that kind of comes to mind. You mean the worst or the best? Yeah, from the worst to the best. Um, so here's what happened to make it the best leadership experience. Ah. Uh, I was under the leadership of this time a female. And for whatever reason, she never told me why. And I tried to figure it out and I couldn't. So I just moved on. Uh, My work product was never satisfactory, Hmm. no matter what she gave me in terms of a project, a task, an action or an initiative. What I delivered back was just never it never cut the mustard. So I ended up tapping into my network. And I I asked the people in my network, get me out of here. This is not working. (laughs) So a couple of folks in that organization, but in a different unit, a different division, said, Kevin, we would more than we'd be more than happy to have you to come. We we've seen your your work product. We we know who you are and your reputation based upon what other people have told us. Uh, we'd love to have you. And so showing off, I made that little transfer and I went into this team. And this group of leaders, this group of supervisors embraced me and helped me and molded me and encouraged me to the point where I started to thrive and excel. And I put in some paperwork. I was the first employee at that time in that organization to put forth some paperwork. It was a comprehensive package to participate in what the government at that time uh, was hosting called the Executive Potential Program. Now it's still around, but it was it was managed by a totally different government agency at the time. In my organization at that time, no one had ever submitted paperwork to do that, and it had to go through five different layers. Uh, it had to go through a section chief, a branch chief. It had to go through an office chief, a deputy commissioner, and then ultimately the commissioner for approval, five levels. And most people thought, oh, it's no way in the world. Everybody's not going to approve it. <laughs> and, and they did. They did. And what they Ooh. told me, Jackson, afterward, it was a one-year developmental program where I got a chance to go outside of my agency and do work all across the government and get some great experience. I met the Secretary of the Army. I had a chance to go to the Office of Federal Procurement Policy for uh, a 90-day detail where I had a chance to testify before Congress. I could go on and on and on. Um, It was a really phenomenal experience, but why? It was because some folks believed in me following this other supervisor who, for whatever reason, did not. Mm-hmm. So don't don't tell me that leadership doesn't make a difference. And that that is that is my best leadership experience. Matter of fact, I'll just go ahead and share it. It was 1995. That's how long ago it was. But I still remember it like it was yesterday because it was so impactful. That's amazing. And yeah. yeah, your your vulnerability, right? Your willingness to share with them why you were looking for a change. Maybe not the drama details. Maybe didn't throw the dirty laundry out there. But the fact that they knew 
than and respected you and they saw an opportunity to help you out i i bet that was a catalyst for bringing more energy to make you feel welcome and to help you understand the value that you were to that team so there's mutual and, leadership and, and jackson that section chief and that branch chief i'm still in contact with all these years later we send each other christmas cards i give them a call I one bet. lives in florida and one lives in north carolina and we still stay in touch. That's how powerful that moment was. Knowing what you've displayed as a leader, I believe that. Um, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me one bit. Uh, leaders, pick it up. Pick up what we're putting down. Yeah. Uh, what If this was the last chance you had, the last opportunity to share a powerful lesson with visionaries, what can we learn from your experience? Well, I believe that leaders are readers. And what I mean by that is all the evidence is in the higher our literary, our literacy rate, uh, the better our mental health, the better our physical health, uh, the more self-confidence and self-esteem that we have. Uh, and it just really propels us and puts us on a trajectory to do good. I encourage everybody under the sound of my voice as best you can, read one book a month. And you'll start to find out that you can get through it relatively quickly. Step it up to two books a month. It doesn't matter if you like to read novels or if you like to read nonfiction. But I would encourage you to do that. Uh, it's good for the mind, it's good for the soul, it's good for the spirit. But equally important, it always puts us in the, in the posture that we're hungry and we're thirsty for more information and more knowledge. And I think that's powerful. Um, now that we're back doing a lot of in-person events and I'm back on airplanes again, depending on the book that I choose and depending on where I'm traveling, sometimes I can read an entire book uh, just on that airplane ride from going one way, not, not round trip. It just depends on the book and it depends on if I've gotten enough sleep or not. But I would encourage people to do that because it, it does make a difference. I do a lot of work in the area of literacy and promoting it with not only boys and girls, but also men and women, because people don't realize how many fellow Americans are actually below the literacy rate. And if, if we can get people reading more, uh, I believe that we're on our way to, again, better mental health, higher levels of self-confidence, um, more self-esteem. And then guess what? We also have less time now to be nasty to other people. And so that's yes. very, very important in terms of where we are in America these days. We're so divided. I think that'll be a step toward Ooh. helping us to unite as well. Huge. Uh, I believe 100% that that's the case because uh, my my mission president um, a long time ago told me, Jackson, your mind is like a bookshelf mm -hmm. and with limited capacity. And even though you've got infinite capacities and in other senses, if you put great books on your shelf at all times, there's gonna, you're going to have to start taking off some of the bad books in order to do that. And if you keep putting more and more good books on your shelf, there's going to be less and less space for those bad books until they're gone. Um, and the <clears throat> same is true. I love that you said that. Start with one book. Um, you know, then maybe grow into two. There's a, there's an exercise process that's part of this. And for my generation, um, let me age you a little bit there, Kevin, um, the, the younger generations and the ones below me too, those books can come in the form of social media platforms. They can. However, that doesn't substitute the opportunity to also exercise your muscles of reading a physical book or listening to an audible 
And as you pointed out so wisely, if you're not reading, but you're spending six hours a day just consuming random content on social media, what does it hurt you to lose one of those hours, maybe being nasty in your tweets, roasting people or whatever else, to shift that one hour of negativity to learning something out of the normal screen that you may spend some time on. But I, I want to be clear too. I'm also of the mindset that some of the more powerful opportunities you have to learn are come in the form of a course or in the form of a mentor or in the form of an activity that you get up and do with others. But I would never, ever sacrifice my reading time. It's, it's sacred to me. Uh, I don't do all read all of the books that are on my exercise level right now. I need to get back on track with it. I can't justify it and say my YouTube time makes up for it. my podcast listening time. It does never, it will never replace my reading time. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and then also it, what it does, it helps us to now be laser focused. So that's always a good mm -hmm. attribute as well. Just being focused on what needs to take place. How do I prioritize the things that are before me today? And I encourage everyone to prioritize reading. It, it makes a difference. Yes. It does. It makes a huge difference. Kevin, this was awesome. Um, yeah, I, we will have all of the links of what you can do to, to follow Kevin beyond uh, the podcast today. Those will be on the landing page. And if you want to apply to be on Vision Pros Live, uh, it's not a scary process. Just submit your application, submit your vision. Your vision doesn't have to be entrepreneurial. It doesn't have to be save the world. It could be save your neighborhood. Um, you know, it could be about being the best mom or the best dad for your children as well. That may be your vision. I honor and respect that the principles of virtues that we can share, debate, philosophize about, teach each other. Like that's really what this whole program is about. Um, so feel free to do that. And uh, anything you'd like to add to end this, Kevin, any, any other topic you want to dive into real quick? Well, I would just encourage everyone, uh, if you have a desire to learn more and to hear more, uh, to feel free to reach out in touch. Uh, we have a we have a standard here at the Johnson Leadership Group. We do our best to get back with everybody within 48 hours, whether it's a phone call or an email. Uh, I'd be interested to know how I can serve you and your team and your organization to, uh, to help your leaders to become that much better. Absolutely. Vision Pros have an excellent. Oh, let's dive in real quick. Cynthia bailed me out here. She pulled it up. Um, so we've got we've got Kevin's page about leadership courses, who they are pulled up so you can see it on your screen, uh, the ability to register for these leadership courses and uh, an opt in. Of course, um, I'm constantly anytime I come across a leader that I want to follow, I opt into their materials. I, I told another podcaster, I don't go consume everybody's everything, but I want opted in kind of like a news feed for my inbox to know which leader has come out with what, because if it's relevant to where I'm at that day or where I'm at that month, the challenges I'm facing or the opportunities, it's if I'm connected into their network and what they're publishing and putting out in the world, then I have the opportunity for, the, for them to be the person who's able to guide me through the experiences that I don't know myself how to overcome. Kevin Wayne Johnson, I'll be opted in and subscribe to all your materials. Vision Pros, we will see you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you Bye -bye. for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent